0: Hey there, sports fan! Welcome to the Draftsite Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by Draftsite.com, the original full round mock draft site. now, let's get to the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our latest podcast here at Draftsite.com. I am DJ Boyer. Been kind of uh, a task getting someone else on the conference calls. As always. Or our podcast here, it's always kind of like pulling teeth or haven't been able to uh, successfully get this done here recently, so it's just going to be me. Hopefully, we'll have Jared on a couple of podcasts upcoming, maybe Rob. Just a couple of things to go over. We're going to talk a little bit of NFL, talk a little bit about the bowl system, about our bowl games that are on the horizon for this bowl season, as well as our latest mock draft, 12.0, was unveiled today. That's right, 12.0. Again, another seven-round mock with another round added for compensatory picks. It is complete. First off, NFL. And the, the topic on everyone's there's, – there's a couple of, actually, topics that are on everyone's mind. First off, the Carson Wentz injury. Uh, there are a lot of people saying that – uh, he was, he was the MVP. I'm not so sure he was. He, he was pretty darn close, though. And it, you know, especially on a weekend where the Eagles definitely had some things fall into their favor. The Minnesota Vikings fall to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Eagles dropping from the one to the two seed. Looks like it lasted for just a week. They are now back at the number one position after a 43-35 defeat of the L.A. Rams in a very, very entertaining game. But Carson Wentz, of course, diving into the end zone, a play that didn't even count, didn't even factor into the box score whatsoever, ends up tearing the ACL in his left knee. Putting uh, The Eagles put him on IR today, effectively ending this season. We'll have to see how, how much this will linger in the next year. September, you know, when the start of the next season rolls around, it's going to be about nine months away. I think it's safe to assume he's not going to be doing any camp activities, anything with um, uh, preseason or, uh, games or anything of that nature. But, yeah, probably when the regular season rolls around, hopefully he's ready to go. If not, he should be pretty, pretty close. Can the Eagles still do it? I think the Eagles can still win the NFC. I just don't like them winning the whole kit and caboodle, per se. Actually, the Eagles were not my pick out of the NFC. And, you know, many people who have listened to the podcast know that I am actually an Eagles fan. But when it comes down to it, you know, you really got to look at, you know, the Eagles. Carson Wentz having a great year, but just does not have that playoff pedigree. As you get to start a playoff game, same thing with our opponents on this last week. Jared Goff and the L.A. Rams. Those were the one and two picks in the 2016 NFL draft. Both doing very well for themselves, but again, neither has played a playoff game. That should change this year. Well, it will for golf. Let's look at some of the other teams uh, up there. Of course, the Minnesota Vikings. That's a team that's essentially on their third quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater after his horrific knee injury. Dan Bradford has had a, a history of injuries and injury concerns. They turned to Case Keenum. A journeyman spent significant time with teams like the Texans and the Rams. And he's put together a fantastic season. Again, not a playoff proven commodity. I think it comes down to New Orleans Saints. We've talked about how that team has improved on the defensive side of the football. I think they've cooled a little bit, but they are nine and four. They will, I believe they have one more game with the Panthers. So looks like they're going to be in the playoffs. It just remains to be seen whether they can hold on and actually win a division title, and maybe even the Falcons slip in there. You know, the, that division could see three teams in the playoffs. Even though Drew Brees made a big mistake this past week when they fell to the Falcons 20-17, he's still the playoff proven commodity. He's a former MVP. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been an MVP in a Super Bowl. New Orleans has the one thing that the other teams do not. Of course, Seattle is right now on the outside looking in, but they still have a very good chance. And one can argue that Russell Wilson would be that other quarterback that can actually get it done into a pair of Super Bowls. So that's how it is in the, the NFC. But my pick about week eight, eight, nine, around the mid-season point, has been Steelers Saints. I think the Steelers would win that right now, and I think it smells a little bit of desperation for the Steelers. They've won eight in a row now. They have what many deem to be the best wide receiver in the game in Antonio Brown. Ben Roethlisberger, what is the future after this season? Le'Veon Bell, if the deal's going to get done, I think that the Steelers are in some unfamiliar territory here with some contracts that do not lend themselves to being very friendly, or the fans wondering or knowing what's going to happen beyond this year. You know, they always seem to kind of land back on their feet. But the window might be closing. In, you know, the Ben Roethlisberger era here, Le'Veon Bell. A couple of these players are they going to be gone? Wouldn't necessarily say rebuilding, but it would definitely be a retooling phase for the, the Steelers. And I think because of that, there's a little more desperation. It smells a little bit more desperate in Pittsburgh. You know, a lot of people in Pennsylvania were hoping for an all-Pennsylvania Super Bowl, and it could still happen. The Eagles have the defense to make it happen, and they have a proven backup in Nick Foles. Again, oh, there's a drop from Carson Wentz to Nick Foles. But again, here you've got a guy who's, who's played at a high level in the past, one career playoff start, he lost against the Saints, but he played very well. Played well enough to win that game. He did not did not cost the Eagles that football game. I really like. Uh, I'm going to stick with that. Saints may only have one game at home, but I, I kind of stick with my New Orleans Pittsburgh call. That's what it was at midseason. That's what that's what we're going to go with. If there's a team that I think could surprise anyone, it sounds kind of far-fetched, but if there's a team from the AFC that can really be a surprise, what about Jacksonville? That defense just continues to be wiped out. Elias Campbell is still my pick for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Could argue the Chargers to be the hottest team in the AFC outside the the Steelers right now. So I don't think that defense is going to carry them that far into the playoffs. I think it carries them to an AFC West title. But it's good to see Keenan Keenan Allen probably next to Antonio Brown having the best year of anyone at the wide receiver position in the AFC. But I still like this. Steelers, and Saints prediction. So we'll talk a little more NFL moving forward. But we're going to switch gears a little bit now with college football. First off, college football committee, this is for you. Bowl selection committee. That's me clapping my hands. They got it right again, ladies and gentlemen. As much as we give them flack and, and having the human element involved here and what's going to happen with these four teams, They got it right again. Last year, they made a little bit of a a difficult call there. They got Ohio State in there, even though they had not won a conference title. That went to Penn State. But Penn State had two losses, much like we saw this year. She was on the other foot. Ohio State was on the other side. I don't even think this should have been... Debated as heavily as it was. Alabama lost one game, just like Clemson, just like Oklahoma. Problem is they lost their game a lot earlier in the season. Teams that lose late are penalized. Even Georgia was behind the eight ball before putting it together and actually winning the SEC. It it just doesn't make sense. Why do you drop Alabama from one to five, and they essentially lose the, their last game on their schedule. But Clemson, who loses before the midseason point to an unranked Syracuse team, is the number one team? It just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. You're on equal playing field, both have one loss. Well, but because one team loses in like week five or six, and another loses in week 11 or 12, five or six team must be better. they built momentum. That's horse crap, that's thing I can say. We're going with horse crap. And, of course, a lot of this became a question because Wisconsin couldn't handle their business. They do lose to Ohio State. So even though Ohio State loses out, they're really the team that kind of ends up, in the end, benefiting Alabama and getting them into that playoff. With the 27-21 defeat, over Wisconsin, the Big Ten championship game. The Buckeyes do win the Big Ten. Big prestigious pole game with no college football playoff. Don't ask me why. I've got an Oklahoma feeling in this. Of course, they have the new Heisman Trophy winner in Baker Mayfield. They got that correct as well. The three players in New York represented one, two, and three. And if you followed along, week in and week out, at com, the Heisman Watch, how did it finish? Mayfield, Love, Jackson, just like we had on our ballot. Our top threes matched. They got it right again. Very intrigued with the Oklahoma-Georgia matchup, the one that, people don't tend to talk about as much because we've got Alabama Clemson three, like it's a prize fight where the first two have been decided on either card or there was a draw involved and one of these big mega super bouts where the the third title or the third fight is going to decide it all, the rubber match. I really don't know who to go with in that one. I'm still kind of going back and forth. I think that could go either way. And Georgia, they played so well on the defensive side of the football. One can argue that Georgia has been the most balanced team in the nation. They've not had lights out offense. But, again, you've got to figure they lost their starter really early in the year. Fromm's in for uh, Ethan, playing well. You've got two draftable running backs. One of the all-time SEC greats, Nick Chubb. Chubb. Sony Michael, another good player. We've got him in the fifth round. uh, Going to Miami, I believe, in our latest mock. He could go higher than that. He could go as high as round three. I wouldn't be shocked. And they're playing great defense. And it's not due to just one player that's really standing out, maybe Roquan Smith, draft-eligible sophomore, who I think could go in this draft, if he does declare himself eligible. There's just a lot of balance. Georgia is, next to Alabama, probably the deepest team at the NCAA level on the defensive side of the football. I just like Oklahoma. Now, it's hard to see style of play in the, in the Big 12 and Pac-12, Pac we, we rarely see those defensive teams that really just shut teams out week in and week out. Hard to have a team rank in the top 20 overall in defense. Stanford was a little bit of anomaly for a couple of years there. They had some, played some very good defense. But Oklahoma seems to get it done. Make the big stops when it counts. They played well on third down. I mean they'll give up a huge chunks of yards, but they'll they'll buckle down in the red zone or you know, they get that big third down stop. Something's just telling me to go with Oklahoma. Don't know what it is. But we'll see how that plans out. It's a, I think we got the final four right. Looking at some of the other bowl games that we have. We have the Peach Bowl. Notre Dame and LSU like LSU here. And by the way, before we go on a little any any further, and we touch on This mock draft, boy, some players like Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey kind of start something last season when they sent out bowl games. We're seeing this more and more. It's going to get to the point where, gosh, you're going to be a draft pick. You just sit out the bowl game. You just never know. I wonder if we've got a real trend uh, developing here. I like LSU in the Peach Bowl, by the way. Outback Bowl. Undefeated UCF. Auburn. I like Auburn to win that, but UCF's not going to roll over. They'll they'll make this a game, similar to what Western Michigan was when they rolled in here. they made it a game. Didn't beat Wisconsin, but definitely made it a game. They're a good 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 team. 12's a little bit low. I, I think they are a top ten team, probably at the the tail end of the top ten. Michigan South Carolina. That's a good matchup. I like Michigan, but I'm not surprised either way. Wisconsin and Miami in the Fiesta Bowl. couple of also-rans with some late uh, losses. I like Wisconsin to bounce back here. I really like the Liberty Bowl matchup. Washington and Penn State, that's very, very entertaining game there. I like Penn State, but that that could go either way. That's a toss-up. Also on the 30th of December, we have Iowa State and Memphis. Boy, Memphis could could have been in one of those New Year Bowls. Two losses on the year, last one coming in overtime against UCF, Riley Ferguson, Anthony Miller, great combo. I say next to Mason Rudolph James Washington, that might be the premier quarterback to wide receiver senior combo. Uh, that we see at the NTA level. Miller's moving up a lot of boards. Mississippi State, Louisville. Good one there. I kind of like Mississippi State in that one. But uh, we should see Lamar Jackson go for about 350. Why not? Some other significant bowls. I've yeah, got to go back to the 29th a little bit early this year, but USC, Ohio State, that's a great, great matchup. That might be the best matchup outside of the playoff teams that we have. I think USC has been slighted a little bit. Two losses, just like teams like Ohio State, who was getting all the love, Alabama. USC wasn't in that discussion. I got to admit, I kind of like USC. I'd probably be a little bit of an upset. I kind of like USC in this game. Northwestern and Kentucky—it's another good one. Clayton Thorson—does he declare? And if he does, he could be your sleeper quarterback in this draft. Arizona State, NC State, Wake Forest, Texas A&M. Deacons—I uh, like—I like Wake like Forest in this game. Washington State, Michigan State, Stanford, TCU—very, very good matchup. Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State—there's some good. Good matchups are for some of these games um, that are going to be played earlier. Utah-West Virginia that comes to mind. The Hard Dallas Bowl on the twenty-sixth. Really like that matchup. San Diego State and Army, another good one. Appalachian State versus Toledo. There, there are some very good games out there. Going to be a good bowl season. Quickly, as we wrap this call up, we are going to go back to. You know what that brings us. It's mock draft time. And if you were a betting man, you had good odds that the Cleveland Browns would hold the first pick, and they just about wrapped it up. Just about wrapped it up. It's not official yet, but three weeks to go. They have a two-game lead. I'd say lead when they haven't won anything all year and an especially painful loss this week, losing in overtime to Green Bay on an ill-advised throw by Deshaun Kaiser in a game where they were winning 21-7 to entering the fourth quarter. Ouch. Ouch. That's all I have to say to that one. But with our latest 12.0, we are utilizing the draft. As it currently sits, that is up to the minute. Not how we think things are going to end up. That is actually how it stands right now. Stands with Cleveland at one. And in our latest mock, we got him going back to quarterback position. Josh Rosen, the winner right now. Really not a clear-cut number one quarterback, though, because there's questions about just about everyone. You've got Sam Darnold at number two. Very intriguing here. Number two currently being held by the Giants. Of course, Eli Manning, everything that's happened there, Ben McAdoo, and Jerry Reese actually both out. Darnold's interesting. Um, Darnold is actually only a draft-eligible sophomore. There's been some talk that his numbers were not as great as last year. Maybe he actually comes back to school. I think there's also a possibility if Sam Darnold goes number one to Cleveland he sits out very vocal about not wanting to be in Cleveland. And I think if Darnold goes number one overall, this could be a John Elway situation. I'm not going to play for this team. Even Eli Manning, it was a trade on, on draft day, but got him to the Giants. I think it's, it's a very realistic possibility that if Darnold would get drafted by the, the Browns, he actually sits for a year. Could benefit him more sitting a year and getting ready for the draft process than actually playing at USC and risking injury. That's the world we live in now. The Indianapolis Colts currently sit at number three. Saquon Barkley, the running back from Penn State, makes perfect sense. Frank Gore, one of the oldest oldest starting running backs in the NFL. He drafted Marlon Mack last year. But you have a chance to get a guy like Saquon Barkley. Marlon Mack's a good change of pace. The Barkley can do a lot. Number four, the San Francisco 49ers. They've won a couple games, aren't defeated in the, let's start Jimmy Garoppolo era, so thus far. Minka Fitzpatrick, the cornerback from Alabama. Is he a corner? Or could he be a safety? Maybe he plays safety the next level. Well, it's a good thing that San Francisco needs at both positions. Number five, the Denver Broncos, and this one is very interesting. We have Lamar Jackson, the quarterback from Louisville. But I'm going to be the first one to say, well, maybe not the first one to say it, that Kirk Cousins will not be back in Washington. It's becoming apparent that they're going to blow up more than just the quarterback position, I believe, uh, with the Redskins. But right now, if I were a betting man, I would have thought that San Francisco was probably the best fit for Kirk Cousins now that they've landed Garoppolo, which makes perfect sense. I think if I were to bet any team that would make a serious run at Kirk Cousins, it's Denver. John Elway wants a proven commodity there. Doesn't want to roll the dice on draft picks. And it hasn't worked out thus far for Paxton Lynch. We know the Tim Tebow saga. Where did, when did Denver get its results? They bring in a proven commodity at the tail end of his career in Peyton Manning. I think Denver would be looking to do the same thing, which is why maybe Eli goes there but he's at the tail end. I think uh, wanting a little more longevity, Kirk Cousins to Denver makes perfect sense. If it doesn't, I say the Jets at number 10, which is interesting because if they say Denver were to land Kirk Cousins, they don't pick Lamar Jackson here. The Jets currently pick number 10. That's the next best team for Lamar Jackson. I really think Lamar, Lamar Jackson's, Draft status here really hangs on what happens with Kirk Cousins. It just seems to be playing out that way. Cleveland picks again at number six. And we currently have them with Derwin James, draft eligible sophomore from Florida State. Safety. Pair him with Jabril Peppers for the, for the future. Number seven, currently the Chicago Bears, we have Bradley Chubb. Arguably the best defensive player in this draft, defensive end from NC State. Starts a mini run on defensive ends as we have Arden Key, the defensive end from LSU, going eight overall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nine, here's an interesting pick. Currently belongs to the Cincinnati Bengals. We've got Quentin Nelson, a guard from Notre Dame. One, not often you'll see guards go in the top ten. Two, in this scenario... And I think it's very real this year. A guard could go, a very good possibility, a guard comes off the board first before we see a tackle. And in Cincinnati, it's needed. It's kind of garbage at both guard positions. That running game, you've got some runners there. Giovanni Bernard, Joe Mixon just drafted in the the second round this past draft. The numbers and the, the rushing has been atrocious what was, what has been a position of strength for Cincinnati in years past has really turned into a, I'd say a real, real question mark and a real detriment. And it's not due to the deteriorating talent in the backfield. They've had more talent. They just have nothing to run behind. I think uh, some investments in the guards there and, and really kind of ensuring that inside running game pays instant dividends for Cincinnati. And I would say Andy Dalton, but I'm not sure he's he's around anymore. Andy Dalton could be on the way out. Do they turn it over to AJ McCarron? Is A.J. McCarron walk? Remember, he was almost traded. I could see McCarron in a red uniform. See how the see how the dominoes start to fall? Get rid of Kirk Cousins. Bring in A.J. McCarron. What happens in Cincinnati? Oh, that's why I love the draft so much. Jets currently at number ten. Austin Bryant, defensive end from Clemson again. Quarterback, a distinct possibility. Vita Vey, defensive tackle from Washington, going to Washington at number 11. Again, when they look quarterback, it's a possibility. I think it's also a possibility when you look where the Redskins play. Who are the two best teams in that division outside of the Redskins? Well, it's obviously not the Giants. I believe you with the Eagles and the Cowboys. What do both those teams possess? Eagles bringing in J.H.I.A. Looks like they have a running back for the future. They've got a great three-headed monster there with LeGarrette Blunt and Corey Clement. They're running the football. When he's not suspended, what's the strength of Dallas? That offensive line and running the football with Ezekiel Elliott. So there's a quarter of your NFL schedule. Four out of your 16 games where you're playing Premier rushing talent within your division. I really think the onus is going to be on the Redskins to shore up that running game, get someone in the middle there to anchor as a big nose tackle type, and then just stop that run. That's the reason for that pick at 11. 12, the Arizona Cardinals. We've got Josh Allen, the quarterback from Wyoming. It seems like Arizona should be grooming quarterbacks. It seems like they never do, but we'll we'll give them one more crack at it here. De'Ron Payne, defensive tackle from Alabama, going to Oakland at 13. Our first tackles off the board at 14, and again, from Notre Dame, Mike McGlinchey. Going to the Dolphins, means McGlinchey and Nelson. Tackle and guard, both from the same university. At 15, currently the Baltimore Ravens, but there's a good chance they get in the playoffs. We're giving them Joshua Jackson, who I like to possibly be, maybe outside of Minka Fitzpatrick, because again, he might not be a long-term corner. Who's the one true corner? I think it's, that's going to be the first off the board. It's Jackson or the player we have going next at 16, Tavares McFadden, corner from Florida State. I seem to be a little higher on him than some of the other polls or people that I have, I've seen in recently. But I think Joshua Jackson is re- severely underrated. Uh, would really help Baltimore. And again, Jimmy Smith going down. One of those players you don't hear about, but Jimmy Smith, May have been playing the best corner, I would say, definitely in the AFC outside of Patrick Peterson, because Patrick Peterson is on an island by himself out in Arizona there. So we've got Joshua Jackson going to Baltimore, Tavares McFadden going to the Chargers. Cowboys picking at 17. We've got Christian Wilkins, big DT out of Clemson, very athletic. he a presence in the middle of the line, more of a pass rusher guy. 18. Detroit Lions. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver, Alabama. Marvin Jones has really emerged well. Golden Tate is pretty reliable. I still think you want to maybe another true number one or just another thread in there for Matthew Stafford. Want to go back to uh, Calvin? Not Johnson, but it's Wrigley. The I name mean, has served them well in the past. Roquan Smith. We talked about him earlier in the podcast. They have him going 19th overall to Green Bay. They've needed an inside linebacker forever, it seems like. Dorrance Armstrong Jr. going to Seattle, who's currently the top team outside the playoffs, the playoff squad squads right now, picking a 20. Dorrance Armstrong Jr., defense end from Kansas. Again, I did not say Kansas State. Kansas. The Jayhawks, about the only thing they can do well or contribution in the football realm, would be Dorrance Armstrong, Jr. He is the best defensive player in that, co- uh, in that conference, playing for the worst football team in the conference, and heck, maybe even all the FPS. Buffalo owns the Kansas City Chiefs pick with the Pat Mahomes deal last year. So right now, Buffalo would pick 21 and 22. I'm going to have two picks. The quarterback that's going to be overvalued it's third or fourth round talent that'll go at the top of round two, somewhere in round one. Team's going to trade for him. Baker Mayfield, why not? Buffalo has been trying to sit Tyrod Taylor forever. Now, if someone's going to take a chance on him, may as well be a team that has back-to-back first-round picks right now. Baker Mayfield, quarterback from Oklahoma, Heisman Trophy winner, going to Buffalo, and then they, they use the 22nd pick. On Carlton Davis, corner from Auburn, or if he declares. Ronnie Harrison, safety from Alabama, going to Tennessee, 23, 24. Denzel Ward, cornerback from the Ohio State University, 25. Jacksonville. Here's an interesting pick: Cortland Sutton, the wide receiver from SMU, a very tall, 6'3", 6'4" type, little lazy, little academical at times. Needs to keep his head in the game at all, all the time. But if there's a big receiver in this draft that has the look of someone who can take over an NFL game at some point in his career when he puts it all together, he's in this league for three to four years, it's Cordland Sutton. The upside is immense for this player. We have him at 25 to Jacksonville. 26, the LA Rams, Isaiah Oliver, corner from Colorado, would have to declare. Harold Landry, the sack leader from last season, defensive end from Boston College. Came back for a senior year and had another good one. He'll go to Carolina. We've got the New Orleans Saints with Rashawn Evans, inside linebacker from Alabama. Sam Hubbard, defensive end, Ohio State, going 29 to the Minnesota Vikings. 30, New England Patriots, Taven Bryan, defensive tackle from Florida. One of the nine players who have already committed and said, yes, we are underclassmen, are throwing our name into the hat. 31, the Philadelphia Eagles, Connor Williams, the tackle from Texas. I think that's a position of future need for Philadelphia. By Ty has been playing pretty well left tackle. He, he has his moments. It's passable. After the injury to Jason Peters, I think it is going to behoove the Eagles to get a tackle in there to groom for the future. I think with Vitae and Lane Johnson, you've got the two starters, but I think next year they will switch sides. I think Lane Johnson's going to be the long-term left tackle. Vitae moves to the right. Williams a year or two to kind of groom there and take over for one of those two players. And Pittsburgh would currently pick 32nd with the current configuration. You've got Mark Andrews, the tight end from Oklahoma. And you're thinking, tight end, is, is that going to be the biggest position to need? Probably not. Pittsburgh goes linebacker a lot, and with what we've seen, the tragic incident with Ryan Shazier, maybe linebacker becomes more of a priority. I don't think tight end is the top priority for Pittsburgh, but it's definitely one they're looking at. I think Pittsburgh wants a Heath Miller type. And Jesse James, they have someone who can catch a red zone threat, very tall target, but very inconsistent as a blocker. I think they're expecting a little more out of him. So here, in this scenario, with no tight ends off the board, it just so happens Pittsburgh can go to some of those areas. Maybe look for a long-term quarterback. Is it Josh Dobbs? Do they look more for linebackers? Well, here they can do it in the later rounds. Again, while there's no tight ends off the board, Mark Andrews falls in their lap at 32, and Pittsburgh I think would be very, very happy with that selection. Well, we were very happy to get another podcast in. We'll talk a little more NFL Hopefully in the next week or two. And again, go to draftsite.com where you will see 12.0 up in all of its glory. 13.0 will come out in three weeks after the regular season has commenced. And we have a, barring any ties, the first 20 picks should be etched in stone. Of course, picks 21 through 32 will be decided with the playoffs. But at that point, that's when uh, 13.0 should come out, when we have a more definite reading as to where those first 20 picks will happen, in what order, and what team is sitting where. Thank you very much, everybody, and we'll be back with you with another podcast in the future. I'm BJ Boyer signing off. See you all very shortly.